Wednesday, and uh, this is the Old Testament reading for this Wednesday. It's Isaiah 58, 1 through 12. So let's hear this as a meditation, as a prayer, uh, as God's, God's word speaking to us. Shout out, do not hold back. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Announce to my people their rebellion, to the house of Jacob their sins. Yet day after day they seek me and delight to know my ways as if they were a nation that practiced righteousness and did not forsake the ordinance of their God. They ask of me righteous judgments. They delight to draw near to God. Why do we fast, but you do not see? Why humble ourselves, but you do not notice? Look, you serve your own interest on your fast day and oppress all your workers. Look, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to strike with a wicked fist. Such fasting as you do today will not make your voice heard on high. Is such the fast that I choose a day to humble oneself? Is it to bow down the head like a bulrush and to lie in sackcloth and ashes? Will you call this a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the fast that I choose, to loose the bonds of injustice, to undo the thongs of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover them and not to hide yourself from your own kin? Then your light shall break forth like the dawn and your healing shall spring up quickly. Your vindicators shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry for help and God will say, here I am. If you remove the yoke from among you, the pointing of the finger, the speaking of evil, if you offer your food to the hungry and satisfy the needs of the afflicted, then your light shall rise in the darkness and your gloom be like the noonday. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your needs in parched places and make your bones strong and you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters never fail. Your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to live in. We hear the voice of God through these words. So some of you know this, some don't, but Fran was supposed to preach today, and she is down, her whole house is down with fever I think maybe the flu. And so yesterday, we made the decision to swap weeks. So I was going to preach next week, and she was going to preach today. Um, and we decided to go ahead and, and swap. And I had some stuff during the day yesterday, so I didn't get to start thinking about this until about 7 p.m. <laughs> and it reminded me of undergrad. I was a comm major in undergrad. So that kind of helps me out a little bit because we had to, in one class, we had to draw out of a bucket of paper and whatever topic we got, we had like three minutes to make a speech. We had to go out in the hall while the other person was giving their speech and we had three minutes to give a five minute speech. And it had to have all the intro, middle, and you know, it had to have all the elements. 
And that's how I feel <laughs> right now. I feel like I drew something out of a bucket and I have to just go with it. And so uh, I think it'll be a little bit different today because I normally, along with Matt and Fran, use a manuscript for a sermon and I do not have a manuscript, but I have an outline, bullet points. So that's exciting. <laughs> so. Uh, the tone's a little bit different, but that's okay. I love that we're small and we can get away with anything we want pretty much, except bad things. <laughs> I don't know what that meant. Um, okay, so it's not Lent yet, but Ash Wednesday begins this Wednesday, and I think most of us are familiar with Lent. Are, I mean, how many people observe Lent really like to do that every year? Are you at Lent? Okay, yeah, because... You know, it's, I grew up Catholic. It's something that I did my whole life. But I also have friends who didn't really grow up with it but found it in adulthood to be very helpful as a ritual to participate in. Um, so Ash Wednesday begins this Wednesday. And I'm really excited to get to set the stage because we don't have our own space. We normally have to wait until Lent has already started to start talking about it. So this week we get to set the stage and maybe you'll have a few days to, to maybe think about how you might want to observe Lent before it begins on Wednesday. So uh, first we have, very important to Lent, to sandwiching Easter, uh, or in between Lent is Mardi Gras. We call it Shrove Tuesday, but I'm from Louisiana, so we call it Mardi Gras. <laughs> and then Easter is on the other end. And these are two really big celebratory moments. Mardi Gras, do you, does anyone know what Mardi Gras actually means? It literally means Fat Tuesday in French. Uh, so Fat Tuesday or Shrove Tuesday is a feast day that has been recognized from the beginning of the early church. It's an ancient tradition of literally partying hard. <laughs> no, I think that's Mardi Gras. I think that's like contemporary Mardi Gras. But it's a tradition of eating a really big feast with lots of fatty, rich foods the day before you're then going to fast for 40 days during Lent. And so it's a really long tradition. And the reason why I want to bring it up is because I think we're good at that, right? We're good at partying. We're good at celebrating. We're good at Easter. We're good at winning. <laughs> Victory is fun. Um, but we're not so good at lamenting, and especially at lamenting for long periods of time. We are bad at lamenting, and I think the best sign of that as a society is uh, that we're bad at owning up. So I think that part of the reason why it's really hard for society as a whole to own up to to broken systems like racism is the first thing that comes to mind is our country's kind of structure of this brokenness that's set up to kind of be racist. I think the reason we're bad at owning up to that is because in order to own up to it, we have to be willing to lament and lamenting is hard. And so I, I don't think it's a, a subconscious thing or I think it's a subconscious thing. I don't think it's a conscious thing. It's kind of subconscious in us that we don't, it's very uncomfortable to sit and lament for a long time. But Jesus isn't bad at lamenting. Jesus is good at lamenting, and Jesus can be found often in the depths or on the margins. And so we think about seasons like Advent and Lent, which are penitential seasons, and it's all about reminding us that in our own depths, in our own darkness, and in our own pits, 
we don't have to climb out of that to find God, to find the presence of Jesus. Jesus is already there. Jesus can be found there. And it's a really powerful truth for us to experience through these seasons. So Jesus can be found in the depths. Jesus can be found on the margins. Jesus can be found with the least of these. And during Lent, we intentionally follow Jesus there. So even if we're not in a place of lament or not in a place of feeling somber, we just choose anyway to go there and uh, to put ourselves in that place for the sake of intimacy with God, closeness with God in our own spiritual growth. And so we follow Jesus to Lent, and what we find is this mimicking of the 40 days in the desert where Jesus was tempted by Satan. (laughs) And that's the reading, which we'll probably miss because next week we'll do a different sermon. But um, the reading for the first Sunday of Lent is always Jesus in the desert, being tempted, confronting these temptations and overcoming them. And that's what we do during Lent. And so my favorite, you can get a a Lenten book, like a devotional, and it'll give you something to read each day. That's something cool to do, I guess. But one I did recently, in recent years, and I don't necessarily recommend the book. I mean, it's fine. But I really just like the title. And it was just called 40 Days of Decrease. And I just, I feel like that's the perfect summary of Lent. It's a time of decreasing on purpose. And the way that we do that is traditionally, in ancient tradition all the way to now, three ways, prayer, almsgiving, and fasting. Prayer, you know, hopefully we're doing that already. (laughs) Hopefully we're doing all of these already in their own way, but it's a a time of devout prayer, intentional prayer. That's why I said, you know, maybe consider looking up that book, Praying uh, Seven Sacred Pauses, because it's just a good book to help you be mindful hour to hour throughout the day, and that's a cool Lenten practice to me. It's not a Lenten book, but I like that. Um, And then the other one that we often don't talk about because we're focused on what are we giving up for Lent is almsgiving. Almsgiving is a huge part of Lent, and it's the idea of intentionally giving your money and your time to people who are more vulnerable. And I, I think one of the reasons we don't talk about that as much is because it's actually the hardest one, right? Because digging deep in your pockets or carving out time is a really big sacrifice, Um, But I also think in and of itself, it's probably a lot like fasting in a way. So then we talk about fasting, and that's, uh, you know, people talk about fasting from food, and that's kind of how we read about it a lot in the Bible. But then most often, we think of Lent as fasting from anything you decide to give up. Um, So who has given up anything meaningful? (laughs) Anyone? (laughs) Well, for example, some, so some years I'm really good and I sacrifice something and it helps me somehow. And then other years I'm like, one year I gave up chocolate, which is hard for me. But I, it was also the year that I went to Greece and Greece has really good dessert with chocolate in it. And I didn't get to eat any of that. And I don't feel closer to God today. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just feel like that was a bad decision on my part. So I just feel like (laughs) we need to be thoughtful. You know, I have another example. I, when we first started this church, I used to also work at J. Crew, and a woman. It was during the time that the Pope 
quit. <laughs> I don't know what you call it. He retired, but I mean, normally that doesn't happen. So he retired and they were in the middle of not having a Pope. And it was also during Lent. And this woman came in and she bought all these shoes. And she was checking out and she was like, yeah, I gave up shopping for Lent, but since we don't have a Pope right now. <laughs> and she, she was like, I figured I could take a little break. <laughs> so this is an example of pointless fasting. <laughs> I mean, we don't fast just to make ourselves miserable or just to follow a rule. There, you know, we, 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 we fast to make space in our lives for God. And so whether or not Lent is old news to you or not, whether or not you've heard it a thousand times before, I think that every single year, as someone who has observed Lent for most of my life, it has something new to teach you if you're open to it. So Lent is a season of scaling back, of reevaluating, cleaning up, clearing out. It's a time of decrease, but Lent is also just a time of holding things in balance. I think that we just get off balance. In every part of our lives, we get off balance. And during Lent, it's not a time of being all or nothing or extreme. It's about coming back into balance physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And so it's a time of wading through our muck and going through this hard stuff, but it's also a time of joy. Just because we're in Lent doesn't mean we're not allowed to be joyful or to be happy or to, to praise um, or to celebrate. I think being surprised by joy is one of the best parts of observing Lent. Um, it's also a time of living out already but not yet theology, which is the idea that the kingdom of God is already here, but it's also not yet, and we are part of not just creating that kingdom, but anticipating it. And we have to do both. Both are important. And also, it's the same thing with resurrection and Lent. We, we, the resurrection has already happened but during Lent, we anticipate it. So we hold both, and there's a balance. Lent is a time of somberness. It's a penitential season, but Lent also literally means spring. It's from the Anglo-Saxon word lengthen, which literally translates to spring. So we are spiritually spring cleaning. That's my favorite metaphor for, of all time. Think about what you do when you go in your house, and you're like, I'm going to spring clean. Does anyone do that? <laughs> I mean... Sometimes you just need to do a deep cleaning, and it's the same thing with Lent. We are deep cleaning spiritually during Lent. So it's a time of preparation for Easter, but we also don't put living on pause. We, we do both. And so Lent is a time of reckoning. It's a time of facing the facts about some of our nice, not-so-nice parts that we need to work out. It's a time of remembering that we are dust, and to dust we shall return. So you see people on Ash Wednesday go get the, the ashes on their foreheads. It's a reminder of that. And yet, out of the ash of Lent rises an invitation to live abundantly right now in the present moment. Beautiful things. That couldn't have been a better song to do as we're thinking about Lent. You make beautiful things out of dust, <laughs> out of us. God makes us beautiful, and Lent is a time of refining that beauty. Uh, and so my question, when I look at the text that I read for today to kind of ponder, is could abundant living be fasting as defined in today's reading? 
so if I go back to it, this is the fast that God chooses to loose the bonds of injustice, to let the oppressed go free, to share your bread with the hungry, to bring the homeless poor into your house. When you see someone naked, to cover them. When we think of fasting, we often think of going without. But God's call to fasting is like very action-oriented. All of those things were active examples, radical examples of loving. And all of them, if we, if we think about them realistically in our lives, what it would mean for us to, to live like that, all of them are hard. All of them require sacrifice. All of them require us changing something in our lives. And all of them are just uncomfortable. And yet, we know abundance there. Is, isn't that kind of, I'm, I'm doing like the emoji, like the brain exploding emoji right now in my mind, that this could be fasting, that this action could be fasting. And this is also at the abundance. Just, it's hard to reconcile that. It's, it's hard to fathom it. And this is Lent. Lent is uncomfortable. It's hard. It requires sacrifice. And yet somehow we find abundance here in this place. And it leads us to resurrection, to life. And so, enter our series, which I'm introducing a week early, and then we'll go back and do the last poetry sermon, and then we'll get back into Lent for five more weeks. But we wanted to talk about these big things that we want to do, the things we're called to do as Christians. We wanted to talk about that. But we kept coming back to our realities, to our stress filled lives, to our busy lives, to anxiety, to depression, to feeling overwhelmed. Like these are realities that keep us from doing all of that big stuff. And so we want to talk about the big stuff and the big things, but we also want to, to talk about how we can make our everyday lives the kind of lives that are open to the big things. Because if we feel overwhelmed with just what we have to do, how are we going to do the big work of creating the kingdom of God on earth? And so we call this series Practicing Peace, the Discipline of Making Space. Because we have to make space in our own lives if we want to do anything bigger and broader and wonderful for the world. We have to make space. If we want to change the world, we have to change the parts of our lives that keep us bound, right? So over the next few weeks, we're going to look at all the different ways that we each individually make a footprint in the world, on the earth, creation care, how we use our time, how we spend our money, civility. We're going to talk about how we interact with people because all of these areas I think could use some cleaning up and clearing out. I know they can in my life. And, you know, I think the work of our church is making space. We believe that our, you know, that creating space is sacred work. And this is literally why we exist. We're trying to create a safe, a safe space, a, a space for community, an included, inclusive space. But the same is true for our individual lives. So as a church, we can create uh, outreach teams. We can create mission opportunities. We're creating a trip to El Paso border for 
the fall in October. Like we can create those things, but at the end of the day, if we each individually don't have the space in our lives to, to engage in those kinds of things, we have to, you know, we have to figure out our own lives first. What was it? Oh, Michelle Obama, you guys. Did you see me go in there? <laughs> this is what happens when I don't have a manuscript. Um, <laughs> I went to see Michelle Obama on Thursday, and she said something about how you have to put your own oxygen mask on first. I think she was talking about parenting, and it was good. But um, we have to put our oxygen masks on, and we have to figure out our lives and get our together and th so that we have space to do these things. And so this is a discipline. This is not something that's easy. Making space is a spiritual practice, but it's also a discipline. So, you know, Mardi Gras, Fat Tuesday exists, we party hard, but we also fast come Ash Wednesday, knowing that there's a time for everything, that there's, everything needs balance. And also, quote in your, medita uh, in your guide, uh, this is a, another part that I wanted to add in real quick. Suddenly, we saw it all clearly. I think Lent makes us see clearly. Suddenly, we saw it all clearly. I am driven by my creatures, my schedule, my work, my possessions, my hungers. I do not drive them. They drive me. I think during Lent, we go, oh, my gosh. We are being driven by our schedules and by our work. We are being driven by all these other things. And Lent is a space where we can choose to be disciplined and take back the reins and then surrender them to God. <laughs> so we can do radical things. We want to do radical things. And Lent helps us to do the radical things that we read about in today's text, which is essentially seeing outside of our own lives and then actually having space to do something about it. So when we fast, no matter the fast, no matter what the fast is, you may decide to give something up on Lent. You may decide to incorporate a reading. You may decide to give some money to a charity. It doesn't matter what the fast is. All of it is important, and all of it is creating space simply by being willing to practice discipline for a set period of time. And when we do this, no matter what the fast is, if it's intentional and thoughtful, we are also fasting from our egos. And this is the most important fast of all, of all. Because when we fast from ego, we make space for God. When we fast from ego, we make space from God. This is living. This is knowing abundance. And this is the invitation of Lent. So I invite you to join me the next few days in thinking about how you can use Lent to clear up and clear out and spring clean in your own life so that we can make space for some really big stuff. And so in the name of God's gracious, ever-flowing abundance, I pray all these things over us. Amen. <laughs>